May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Good morning. My name is uh, Ernie Bennett, and I am your um, fill-in this morning. And it's a treat to be here. Um, I don't know where your rector is. She's gallivanting someplace and um, trying to follow the trails with her husband, recapturing their, I don't want to say long lost, but youth. (laughs) So anyhow, it's fun to be back. Um, I'm going to ask you to think with me about the Old Testament reading this morning. I mean the Old Testament. Let me start that again. Let's look at the gospel reading. And it's the one we just read. And, and I'll tell you up front, Jim, um, Dr. Jim, was uh, sharing something from Kenneth Bailey earlier. And I told him I had a book in, in the car signed by Kenneth Bailey. And the reason I had it in the car is that that was sort of, whenever Kenneth Bailey is commenting on a lesson, I always read it. So some of... Some of this is going to come out of that reflection, but, you know, just some years of, of ministry as well. Um, the, the parable begins with an explanation by Luke that I want to come back to, because the heart of the parable itself is a very carefully worked out story that Jesus tells with a particular point in mind. The, um, I can't see you either, so I'll just move over here. Now, see, and who can I not see here? Um, you know, I'm, I'm used to wandering, so if, if there's a point at which, you know, you just need to say, you know, go this way or something, I'll try to, I'll try to do that. Um, but I, but I, am, I have just always been sensitive over the years to kind of separation, and so I like to be able to see you when I, when I talk. Um, The story begins, two men went up to the temple to pray. It ends, two men went down to go to their homes. So you have that kind of parallel, and then everything in between gives a setting for what Jesus is trying to convey. And it's it's a kind of an important um, thing to track these two people both in their similarity, but particularly in their contrast. So let me just talk a little bit about these two folks. They don't, they're not named, but they are identified by kind of some, some of the, what they do, what, what they are. The one, obviously, is the Pharisee. And the Pharisee is probably the paradigm of a good person. When you think, who would be really, really good? What would be the best example to follow in terms of good life? You say, well, the Pharisee, of course. The Pharisee is there to kind of check in with God. And some of, you know, we've thought about this probably, you probably thought about this a hundred times. And that is that he's there in probably public worship to say, hey, uh, God, I just want to remind you, It's me, me again, and I've been checking in with you very often and want to remind you uh, what a good person I am. 
And by the way, he was a good person. Um, he is also reminding everyone else who is in the congregation. Um, if you want to be good, well, look at me and I'll help you. I, I, I am here to give you an example of what it is to live a good life. And I don't think that's any tongue in cheek. I think that's a realistic, here I am. If you want to be good, just take a look. And then he recites some of what he does. Now, he does this by distancing himself from the others, right? You saw that detail. And he's doing it for a particular reason. He doesn't want to get contaminated by those other folks. I don't know if you've ever sort of felt that way, but if you're around some real, uh, I'll say, ruffians, and you think, well, I don't want to be identified with them, so I'll just sit over here, and, and they're, they're over there. And that's, that's what he was doing. And he began to recite uh, what he was about. Um, he knew, by the way, that he was required to fast at least once a year, right? Uh, and then they had sort of extended that to well, a couple of days ahead of time and a couple of days afterwards just to make sure that they observed everything that the law required. So he comes in and he says, well, I fast <clears throat> not just once a year, not just once a week, twice a week. Aren't I good? And I tithe on everything that I have. Now, it was already set up. Um, you're to tithe on this, but you're not required to tithe on that. It's kind of the old argument that we sometimes do. And by the way, I'm, when I get in this discussion, I love it because I think, wow, that's the right question to ask. And that is that people say to me, uh, I'm committed to tithing. Is it on the gross or is it on the net? And I, th I always think to myself, well, if you're down to that detail, that's pretty good. So, yes. Yes. Um, um, and then sort of, you know, you, f you figure that one out. But that's the kind of question that he was being asked. So I'm only required to tithe on this part. It's on the 1040, you know, this line and not the, the bottom line. So I tithe on everything. Again, God just wanted to check in, let you know that's who's here. And you other folks out there don't want to get too close because you're liable to, 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 you know, to rub off, you know, that nastiness on me. But here's what I do you want to be good, well, you can do it like this. So, I mean, that's a little bit of, of what the Pharisee is about. And I want to remind you, it's easy to poke fun, but he is a good person. He's a good person. Um, now, what he has done has separated him from others. Now you see why Jesus was, was doing the parable. And Luke adds this. He said, Jesus told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. 
because that's exactly what had taken place. You other people over there, well, I don't want to have much to do with you, especially because he had noticed this, the tax collector. Now, you think about that for a second because tax collectors were not really popular. I mean, they're not altogether popular now, are they? Um, I don't usually say, oh boy, I get to pay taxes today. I mean, it just not doesn't usually occur to me to, to say it that way. I, I do say, because I, I got the tax bill from the county yesterday, and I didn't say, yippee, hi, you know, hi, I mean, it, I didn't say that. I said, okay, well, I get a discount if I pay by the end of November or whatever. That's, that's kind of what I said. But he looked down his nose at everybody. And guess what that does? It sets up a kind of judgmentalism. Now, you all might not remember this, but a few years ago, we had a sp kind of a, a run of judgmental stuff going on in the good old Episcopal Diocese of Central Florida. And I'll tell you that that's kind of a tricky thing. Because there were people, get this, even clergy, who were looking down their nose at other folks. Well, I'm better. You ought not to even associate with people like that. Can you imagine? And here's the trickiness. In that kind of judgmental stuff, which I could not stand, what was I doing? I was sitting in judgment of them, right? I mean, it's a really tricky thing. Because whenever we run into it, we say, I don't want to be like that. We've fallen into the same darn trap. Because it's awfully hard just to judge people, just to be with people and say, I won't let, put any label. You are just, you are a child of God, an inheritor of the kingdom, and I am privileged to be with you. It's hard to do that because it genders up all kinds of stuff in us. See, it's easy to say, well, I don't want to be like this Pharisee, and yet we fall in the same trap ourselves. Okay. That's who the Pharisee is. Let me take a look at the other person, that dreaded tax collector. What, what is it that he does? He separates himself as well, but for a different motive. He separates himself because he has such a sense, an overwhelming sense of his own unworthiness. His own sense of sin, his own sense of separation, that he doesn't want to contaminate others. He doesn't even dare to think that he is fit to be in the same room with them. And when he considers the fact that he is now called to be in the presence of God, why, well, he's hardly even worthy to be in the same world much less the same building. And he says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. 
Now, I don't know if, if you kind of play around with the, the, this very much, but if you were to look at that word in its, in its Greek form, you would see that the word literally means God make atonement for me. Now think about that for a second. You're in the temple. The rite that's being performed is that the blood of a lamb is being poured on the altar for the sins of the people gathered. And he is saying, God, that blood shed, make that atonement for me. I mean, do you see what, what's going on? And he beats on his breast. Something that apparently is not very common among men in the Middle East. Where else do you see it, by the way? Well, NFL, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking a little bit before the NFL. Um, here's where you do see it, at the foot of the cross. At the foot of the cross, that's how great his sense of pain is. So his words, God, make atonement for me. Two men had gone up into the temple to pray. Both separated themselves from the others. One, because he didn't want to be bothered with all these low lives who would contaminate him, make him look bad. And the other knew that he wasn't worthy even to be there at all. And what is it that Jesus says? I tell you, this man went down to his home justified. And get this. Rather than, does it say rather than the Pharisee? No, it says rather than the other. And you see the shift that's taken place, right? Rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled. And all who humble themselves will be exalted. It's a pretty powerful message lived out, not just in the words, but also in the actions and the lives of real people. Because it's lived out all the time in you and me. And I want to tell you one other thing about this story that's really pretty radical. In fact, when Jesus' hearers heard this story, they would have been scandalized. You mean you are lifting up that low life, that scum who collaborates with the Romans who takes our money from us, who extorts it often, you're raising him up higher than the person that we think is the virtuous man. I don't get it. And here's the radical thing, and some of you are going to take probably offense at this, but I think Jesus is pretty clear about this. The Christian gospel is not simply about being good. 
You know, if you were to ask just the person on the street, what is it that you think Christianity is about? They would probably tell you it's about being good people. But that's not the heart of the gospel. If that were true, it would be the Pharisee who would be top dog. You see, the Christian story is not simply about being good, although I prefer good people over bad people. I bet you do too. But the heart of the gospel is not just about being good. It is about being holy and identifying in life with a holiness that only God can give. You see, the reason why the tax collector is lifted up is because he alone was open to God's gracious gift. The Pharisee didn't have any room for it, didn't have any need for it. And when we are closed off from God, God respects that. But it is the one who recognizes his or her need, desperate need, that God says, I want you to know something. And it's what I want you to know this morning. Here's what God says. You're not worthy. You don't deserve it. But I love you. And I want you to know that love deep in your heart. Now, let's talk about your behavior. Let's talk about what you're doing in response to that great love. You know, the, the Pharisee, and, and so Sarah asked me to give a plug on this, and I, and I want to do that. The Pharisee t- told two s- particular things, didn't he? One was about, let's see, if I can read this still. Um, why do they make these things such small type? I don't get it. Um, I fast twice a week, yeah, and I give a tithe of all my income. You know, when you're talking about what you give, that's not just an incidental part of your life, is it? I, I remember really well the time that I said to my wife, I, this is the conversation we had, I'm going to talk about tithing on Sunday. I'm going to talk about giving money. And she said, good. And then I said, and we're going to, and I'm going to talk about our pledge. Oh. <laughs> and I said, yeah, and we're going to need to make some adjustments. Oh. And I said, yeah, we need to, to we, were, we were significant givers, we, but we, we were not tithing. And I said, we need to do this. Well, how much is that? And I told her, and she said, we can't afford it. And I said, I know it's going to be hard, but we need to do this. And so we talked for about a half hour. 
And finally she said, all right, all right, but don't tell my mother. That's what she said. By the way, you can have a field day with that one. You can do all the things. And when I said on Sunday, here's what my wife and I are committed to doing, I told the dollar amount because everybody knew what I got. I was shaking in my boots. I, I didn't know if I could stand. Why is that? Because I knew I was standing on holy ground. It's a tricky business. God, Jesus says to us, let your light shine before men and women that they may see your good works. And then he says, but remember, when you do something pious, go into your closet. I mean, it's hard. See, that the Pharisee had done it one way to call attention to himself. And when we share, hopefully, it is not to call attention to me, but to give glory to God. And that's a critical, critical difference in what we do as we struggle together. And we do. It is to give glory to God and not say, look at me, how impressive I am. Because at the end of the day, if we don't hear that one central thing, we've lost it all. And what is that one central thing? Ernie, you're a turkey. I mean, you disappoint me so many times. And you do some good things. But you really, why you blow it over and over again? But, I love you. You are my beloved And in that, I am well pleased. And no matter what, if you hear nothing else out of all this, I hope you'll hear that. And know that that's what God would say to you and in your heart this very day. Amen.